Today's reading is on. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Today's reading is Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. It can be found on page 1142 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center before the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Some of us come today with experiences of your 
provision in our life, and we're thankful. Others of us come disturbed because of things we're reading in the paper or we're seeing on our news feed or on our notifications. And, um, you know, we're worried and concerned for our world and our city and our family. And from all these different places and experiences, we turn our attention to you and we, we wonder if you might have a word for us today. Because the truth is we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And there's a humbling truth when we stand before you that we, our devotion, any attempt at devotion or doing the right thing is very imperfect and flawed. And so we come to you as beautiful messes, created for beauty, created to be, to have a calling and a purpose in this world, and yet every day falling so, so short. And so all of us are in need of your grace every second. And that's what you offer. So as we now turn to ancient words and wonder what they might mean for this church, we do so from a place of being, our, our flawed lives being answered by the grace of Jesus. We are more of a mess than we care to admit, but in Jesus, we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. May that be the center of how we move forward in our attempt to know you, in our attempt to live for you, in our attempt to be a part of this community. And uh, may we see that we are all in that same place, all deeply flawed, all deeply and amazingly loved from here on out. Speak to us through that grace now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 7. A vision of the future. Just let me highlight verses 9 and 10. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In the beginning of 2016, as you as a community nominated leaders for the first time and we have had a leadership team and we began a process of saying, let's make sure we have a common idea of where we're headed. If we're leading, well, where are we leading to? Where are we going? And so in early 2016, we started having this conversation and we had, um, we had a statement that became a five-year beyond-the-horizon vision. So in other words, we can't even see it yet, but it's a thing that we want to peek up and look and remember, oh yeah, that's where we're headed. And it went like this. In the next five years, City Life will see a noticeable increase in people of diverse backgrounds in Sacramento desiring their own spiritual formation because they see the gospel's credibility in the lives and community of City Life Church. So this is a long statement, but you catch in there some key things. People of diverse backgrounds 
catch in there the emphasis on spiritual formation, and you catch in there the emphasis on credibility, gospel credibility. I'm fighting a cold today, and that's why David will be serving communion instead of me. <laughs> Um, because I, I don't want to get everyone sick. Um, so we have that, this statement. And so since the beginning of 2016, the leadership team has been wrestling with, um, in our own meetings, um, hmm, how do we move forward towards this mission? How do we get there? Especially the diverse part. Um, and we've been blessed by hearing voices differing voices around the table. And I've been convinced that that's a huge part of whatever's at the beginning of beginning to own a vision like this, is just listening. And making sure you're listening to voices that maybe you haven't been listening to. So we've been doing a lot of that, and I think today um, is a part of that a little bit. Um, and I think what we've experienced, what I've at least experienced, is the more, it's a really positive thing to listen, and you're really, I'm really blessed by the gift of different people's experiences and postures in this conversation of race and culture and being together. In the national conversation, which is, by the way, we're in a season of, it's like erupting and coming to the surface, like someone said this morning, like it hasn't been this way since maybe the 60s that we're having conversations as a nation about race. Sometimes people will throw around the phrase white guilt and they'll talk about it in a, in a way, they'll kind of have the cynical voice um, that, that basically is saying, well, people might be wanting diversity or wanting to move towards diversity out of some sense of, well, this is what I should be doing. Almost like, well, okay, if I have to, because everyone's looking at me and saying I should probably care about this. And I just want to say that my experience having conversations at City Life Church about this doesn't, I don't see that at all. I see um, a very different spirit. And um, I think that's just good to put out there that maybe, um, maybe there's a different spirit at work here. And I would challenge you if you if you feel like in any way this community, which has been mostly white for most of its history for of our 10 years, if you would think for some reason that's how we're operating or why we're operating, I would challenge that and ask you to just talk and listen to more people. Because what I think is much more what is happening is that we are, as a community, and this is from the very beginning of when the leadership team put this into our, our vision, it was just a sense of we're missing something beautiful. Like we are incomplete. And the experiences of looking around our city and maybe in your work or in your neighborhood or wherever you're active in the city, you experience a lot more diversity than what you do in your experience on Sunday at City Life Church. And just this feeling like, I want more. I want more of that beauty and that, that um, diversity here too. I would say I sense a lot more coming from that space. And so to facilitate even more listening, the listening that I think we need to have as a part of beginning a long conversation on this, um, we, we 
we put forth a couple questions last week. And a lot of people sent in answers. And I'm going to, today, uh, we're going to do a lot of listening to other people's answers. And so let me just start with this question. So there's two questions. I'll start with this question. And let's listen in on what some people are saying. Help us see city life through your eyes by giving a snapshot of how you notice city life is not there yet. Okay, so I'm just going to read seven responses. The obvious one is that we are a primarily Anglo congregation. There is some financial diversity, but for the most part, we are a middle class, or we are middle class and educated. Our preachers are all white men. We do have very good female participation. While we pray for those in need and for relief from specific challenges, we do not talk about or participate in local actions to move forward, I'm sorry, to move toward a more just world, except in very specific one-time incidences. Okay, someone else wrote down these two things. The music genre tends to an all-white crowd, and B, Everyone is white, for the most part. Okay, another response. Just says simply this. Add ethnic music. But then it, I like the grace in this. The, the second half of it was, no expect, uh, what is it? No expectation. Is what the, the backside of that comment was. So they're sort of like, you know, I won't leave if that doesn't happen, but that's what I think should happen. Um, another response, our staff, worship, and culture are pretty, and then in parentheses, very, white. <laughs> another response, from my own personal perspective, and this is, fun, this is a fun result of just putting the question out there and listening, because this is, is a little off topic, but I think it's good, I really good. From my own personal perspective, Helping others accept the lifestyle of someone who has chosen a single and childless position in the world. That's a part of our diversity as a community. Someone else said, I hope one day soon, as soon as he's old enough to notice that there is someone who looks like my son, who is black, in leadership at City Life Church, that he can see himself in and imagine himself in ministry or leadership in the church someday. And then one last response. Someone said, without question, we are predominantly a white church. It's not just the membership and leadership, but also the style of our worship and in the activities we do as a church. So that's, the, that's, that's all the answers to, the, to that first question. And so you get the, I don't know if there's any surprises in there for you. Um, I hope you're not surprised that there's an overwhelming sense of we're not there yet. But let me, let me add a couple things because we've been for a few weeks now having these conversations and then like I said the leadership team has been having conversations. I want to add to that because I think people are in some ways being too nice in those comments. I don't know that they're, they're fully reflecting some of what I'm hearing in these conversations. It's been very good for me to hear. That there is a lot of people, as we enter into a conversation of diversity and a diverse future, there's a lot of pain 
there's a lot of exhaustion. And those two kind of intermingled is just how I would put words to it. Pain and exhaustion. Um, as wounds get re-wounded and revisited and opened up again, over and over. Um, in some ways, this is what I've seen, is that people, people of color who have entered into this conversation with us, um, there's sort of a question of, why would they do that to themselves? If I really understand them, is why would I repeatedly put myself into experiences where I have these jolting interactions of experiencing all kinds of things that just keep being repeated in my life over and over again in my work life, in my neighborhood life, and now my church life. It's just exhausting, painful, revisiting, you might even say re-traumatizing. Why would I risk being re-traumatized by entering into a, what we had a couple weekends ago, a dance of racial reconciliation uh, two-day event like a workshop, and um, and that did that did kind of come coming out of that. There were experiences of here I am again. Here's these things being dragged up and happening again, even inside this group. Let me try to give you a sense of what I'm feeling from that with a picture. Imagine, and this this is actually what happened in 2014. My family we went to the Grand Canyon. And we went to the edge of the Grand Canyon and saw this huge, big gap, you know, between the land. This huge gap. And we came up and we looked, stood, and we looked at it for, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, but we looked at it for 10 minutes, you know, and wow, wow, and it was amazing. And we saw it, and we looked at it, and then a couple of us, not even our whole family, a couple of us trudged down a path into it, but not really very far just enough to get a little taste of it and snap a few pictures and say we were here inside the Grand Canyon and then we walked back up and got in our car and drove away. <laughs> and I want, what I'm sensing is that some people in this conversation are like, I live in this canyon. I know all of its depths and all of its places. I've been to the bottom. I've seen how long and wide the bottom is. I've traversed back and forth. I live in it. I can't help but live in it. I can't just go down a little bit and then go and get in my car and drive away. And that's, so, so to go to a dance of racial reconciliation um, workshop with someone like me can be a, almost a little bit, um, well, it can be like, if you just think about it, Here's this guy who's 40 years old and finally dealing with more layers of his white privilege and almost kind of wanting a pat on the back that I'm doing this good work for myself. Meanwhile, someone else is going, that's nice that you can choose to do a little bit of work on that and to listen a little bit. I haven't been able to choose my whole life to, to just be in the middle of this issue all the time and to feel the pain of it and to feel the hurt of it and to feel alienated a lot over and over. So I hope I'm just communicating a little bit of a sense of how this can be difficult and that wasn't really communicated in the responses that people wrote in. But I wanted to kind of say, I think that needs to be heard too. So what do we do? Well, if we listen to scripture, Revelation 7, it was up on the screen. And you know what it is? It's a sneak 
into the future. Pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's like, what's it going to be like someday? It's going to be like this. Every tribe, every nation, every people, different languages, all together before the same one God, sharing this one thing, but still very clearly different. And it's beautiful. It's, it's like this desirable future that God has in mind that, we want, that he wants us to peer into and say, look at where things are headed. And that's what City Life's vision statement is as well. It's saying five years from now, this is where we think we will be if God continues to work and lead us. So there's this movie. I don't, I don't want to give things away because the movie has a lot, lot of them. Like, ooh, that's interesting kind of stuff that you can't guess at the beginning. So some movie that I saw has the main character. <laughs> the main character has like these memories except they're the future. So it's like, almost like uh, as you're watching the movie, you don't realize that's not something that happened. That's something that's going to happen. So this main character glimpses something that's going to happen really significant in that character's life. And, you know, somebody's trying to guess what movie. Um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so it's interesting then to think about so these interactions, these opportunities are coming in this character's way. And choices have to be made. How do I act here with respect to the fact that I know this is going to happen sometime? And I would say that's kind of similar to what you, I would picture our community having the chance to do. We have a sneak peek of saying, this community is going to get more and more diverse. <coughs> it just is. So, huh, I wonder... I wonder what that looks like. I wonder, I'm going to lean into that in my experiences day in and day out. I'm going to start to imagine into that future and lean into it and to wonder about things happening right now and how they might connect to that. So you say like, hmm, I wonder about that person that's in my life, maybe new, in a new way that's in my life, who's very different from me. I wonder. Um, I wonder what it will be like to sit, as, as many of the responses uh, mentioned about music and stuff in church, I wonder what it will be like to have music that's in different languages in church. I wonder what it will look like, what kinds of things will be different in a church if other uh, ethnic backgrounds uh, other cultures are brought to bear more on what we do, how we interact, the food we eat, the activities we plan. I wonder. I just wonder. Um, I wonder about that. I wonder about that new friend that I'm making. Um, I wonder about um, some of the dynamics of my past and some of the habits of my life. And how do they support that future vision, or how do they maybe work against that future vision? I wonder about how I spend my free time, I wonder about how I select my friends, I wonder about all kinds of things, and starting to lean into this future. <coughs> I wonder. And I wonder, in a way, will you wonder what things will start to be normal 
in city life community, they'll just start to be normal, that aren't even here yet, aren't even happening. Maybe you have some ideas. Keep sharing them. If you have ideas about your wondering and your imagining this future. So, one person I talked to this week, another pastor that I talked to about the conversation we're having, said one piece of advice or one piece of like, you know, hey, it's hard to have any answers and to claim any answers in this journey. But he said, make friendships and spend time with people of different cultures than you. I talked to somebody else this week and they said, pray for friendships with people who are different from you, from different cultures. And sharing the experience um, personally of saying to me, I had, uh, I lived somewhere else, I had all these diverse friends, and then I moved here and I realized I don't have that here, so I prayed for it, and then it happened. <laughs> so there's a sense of saying, sometimes God just wants this to happen, God wants this beautiful vision, and is waiting for us to pray for it to happen as well, for us to want it bad enough to pray for it. So today, so I mean, those are a couple of just, in a sense, simple thing, other voices. I want a lot of voices other than my own to be heard today. The voice of just friendships and praying for friendships. And so for three weeks now, we've been having a very intentional Sunday conversation, a focus on this, and I hope you'll continue to engage. This is very much just the beginning. This is something that has to stay on the front burner for a long time. And here are some of the ways that you described where you find yourself on this journey. Question number two that we asked last week. Describe briefly your current journey with hearing God's call towards his church into the earth future. My favorite thing about America response number one. My favorite thing about America is, and about Sacramento and about my job is the great diversity of people. There is no country in the world like this. It's endlessly amazing to me. There is no way to take it all in. When it comes to churches though, the opposite is often true. But it's not always for bad reasons like narrow-mindedness or prejudice or hate. Different styles of church services, music, sermons, and prayer have developed through all the different kinds of peoples and cultures. I often wish we had more different kinds of people in our services at City Life. I'm not at all sure how to attract them, though. We are always completely welcoming to anyone who comes in our doors. I remember back in the 60s when our Episcopal Church had a racial harmony picnic. This black congregation trooped miles and miles out of central Cleveland, out to our suburban church, and they cooked ribs and corn on the cob, and we cooked hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> it was fun, but of course, none of us ever saw each other again. So even today, I don't know how churches can really mix it up a whole lot. First Covenant, where I used to attend, really increased its diversity coming out of the Swedish Lutheran tradition, how white can you get? <laughs> when the church moved to Rancho Cordova with freeway visibility, lots of Asians, Filipinos, Latinos started coming and stayed, but very few black people. I don't know what else to say, except I would sure love to hear any ideas people have about how to bring more 
richness of cultures into our services. I would just love that. A lot of responses. The need to think systemically and not individually, which includes diversity of socioeconomics, power imbalances, etc. The church is a system. The need to have a long view of listening and learning. We, and in parentheses it says white people, can't fix this one. We have to hear from people of color about their experiences and understanding probably over and over. I am reading a book called Waking Up White, Finding My Story in the Story of Race. And it is, uh, it has journaling questions which I think will take me months if not longer to get through if I'm really going to lean into my eyes being open and understanding. And this is after years of urban ministry and exposure. More responses. I think about this a lot, someone says. And again, we're saying, we're saying, describe briefly your current journey with hearing God's call towards his church's diverse future. I think about this a lot. There are so many ways to think about this because diversity is not simply race. But in my current journey, I think about an image from one of Flannery O'Connor's short O'Connor's short story is Revelation. The main character is unable to reconcile the diversity of the people she interacts with because they don't have the brains or the good sense to know how to use them. But in the end of the story, the woman, Mrs. Turnip, is lying in a pigsty and has a revelation. She sees everyone marching and dancing and singing out of, out of their way to heaven. White people, black people, rich people, poor people are lining up all together singing through singing their way to the gates. Turnip, Miss Turnip, Mrs. Turnip only notices the people singing out of tune, and it hurts her ears. <laughs> Our faith sits in between that moment of now but not yet. It's a tension between what we, uh, where we long to be and where we are now. Why is this any different or special? We all sing out of tune when the gospel song plays. But what do we do here and now? Well, as Huck Finn says, if I gotta go to hell to help Jim, then to hell with it, I'll go. All right, so another response. There has been a restlessness building for active participation in grassroots efforts towards diversity and social justice. This discrepancy between those who have and those who do not is wider than we ever than ever, and we are complicit in our passivity and silence. I imagine that many who attend City Life are active in their private life, lives. However, we as members of the body of Christ have a responsibility to use this body to do His work of bringing the kingdom, a place of beauty and plenty for all people. I would like to see us showing up in the community. Someone else says that their place in this journey is, is being a part of the discussion. Someone else says, trying to relocate to a more ethnically diverse neighborhood, learning to speak Spanish, and wanting to get involved with world relief, I went through the orientation already. Someone else says they're ready to listen, to learn, and to follow the leadership of Christian people of color on issues related to white privilege and systemic racism. Someone else says, lead by example, breaking stereotypes and disrupting assumptions. 
Someone else says, I am learning my, racial, my own racial biases and identifying ways that my actions might be hurtful to others, especially towards people of color. Also, ways that I might be creating barriers between myself and others. Someone else says, yes, the word diversity seems trendy right now. But I don't think the church needs to ignore its use, since it stems from the hurt and pain of exclusion. Unfortunately, Christian churches, as well as other parts of society, have practiced exclusion, and it can be more hurtful here, since we are supposed to be kinder and more loving than that. On a personal note, I have had a few experiences of someone in a racial minority taking offense in an action of mine that I know I did not mean in that way at all. I now find myself anxious from fear of accidentally offending when near people of a certain race and gender. It makes it hard to communicate. And the last, uh, the last one that I'll share, and basically I'm sharing all the, it's not like I'm leaving some out. Everything that people sent in, I, I just shared, and then this is the last one. I have been feeling a pull towards diversity for some time. Until my early 20s, I lived in very diverse communities and was often one of the few white kids in my classes. So it is disheartening to be in homogenous circles. But I guess I'm not doing much to change that, if I'm being honest. I'm excited for this issue to move to the front further. So that's where people are at. And I've been so helped by hearing where everyone is at. That's, this is where we start, by a lot of listening. And um, some of the highlights from there that I think are, I really just am helped by, especially are people talking about how this is a long journey, people talking about um, and just the, that great picture of a racial harmony picnic in the 1960s, um, kind of a one-off event, a one-off feel-good event um, with great intention and a great start, but I think that it feels like um, we need a slow, deliberate, long-term front burner for the long-term process. I would say expect it to be messy, expect there to be difficult conversations, some tears, um, that that's a necessary part of what we're doing. And to view others who are different from you as a gift. Like you are incomplete. Your life is better. Um, if you can have uh, people who are different from you who are your friends. And also, one, on a final note, I would say be gracious. The church is a place where what we have at the center of this conversation is our gracious inclusion with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit when we don't deserve to be led in the room. And so we have at the center of our common experience of God just absolute, total grace. I didn't belong, I was alienated, and I've been led in. And so, in a, in a way, we get to have a way more gracious conversation about this that expects that there's going to be major blunders. But our internal bucket of grace has already been filled by God. So we can handle blunders. You know, it's not gonna it's not gonna kill us. We can even in the, in the broader culture, a lot of it's about individual rights. I need all my rights. That person needs all their rights. And 
And that's all good and true. That's burning for justice. But we're even in the Christian community able to set aside our rights at times so that others can get theirs. And that's what Christ did for all of us. So we have a different, way bigger heart in this kind of conversation. And so um, just, just a nudge towards grace and, and towards people who are blundering and courageousness, that's a word, courage. That's, that's a word. <laughs> courage towards, those, towards you if you feel like you might have to blunder a little bit. And courage to say I'm not there yet. Um, that's what I would speak into it. If you start, um, share your experiences. We're going to continue to have people sharing from up here. We're going to continue to have conversations that happen in different places around this as we move towards this together. Um, some resources. There's some books you can read. I mentioned that one that somebody had read called Waking Up White. I'm reading a book called Tears We Cannot Stop. That one's really helpful for me. Um, there's a, there's a, a conversation group that we're beginning. Um, if you're taking on an action or if you're having an experience in the midst of this conversation, share it. Share it with me or someone else. Help us all see the experiences that God is letting us have. Um, and I just also want to point out uh, Pastor David and his, he's a person to talk to. If you want to learn more or find out more or share your experience, Pastor David's right here, hand up. And he's just has vast experience over a couple of decades of immersing himself in issues of justice and race. And he works with our nationwide denominational leaders. And he's going to, he goes to conferences and he's, you know, he helped lead our Dance of Racial Reconciliations a few weeks ago. So just, we have a resource here. Talk to him. Share your story with him or ask him for how to learn more and how to grow in this issue. I invite you to pray with Our God of grace, I pray for our whole community on this journey that you would um, provide your Holy Spirit. That we would have a Pentecost future of hearing each other from the different kind of languages and cultures that we speak and having ears to be able to hear and to all be in one room together. We pray that you would continue to help us to be a very gracious experience where we do listen to everyone and yet we also listen to the gospel as we move forward together. I pray for this church to continue to be um, hearing and listening with our love. And to be um, uh, especially inviting and aware of those who don't feel like in one way or another like they fit in. May we find the ways in which we may unnecessarily be keeping doors closed and not throwing them wide open for people. And God, bring us friends who are different than us, who look different than us, who eat different food than us, who speak different languages than us, and uh, who have different cultural traditions than us. Please uh, bring us new friends. And I pray for those who might find themselves excited about this process and then might feel like it, they might feel like it's taking way too long. I pray for those who are uh, who need eye-opening experiences that they might have them, and I pray for those who feel defensive that you would uh, tend to their heart and their story um, and help them to feel like they have a place to grow out of defensiveness into openness and hearing and understanding, but may they also find that they are listened to and they are heard all the 
ask that the Holy Spirit would get us closer every year, every month, every year, every decade, closer to Revelation 7, uh, a place we're going to be no matter what. And so may we have some tastes of that along the way now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, Amen. Amen.